1: as in,
2: Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the program. Now, I trust that you're all gearing up for the upcoming Independence Day weekend. Maybe you've booked a trip to the lake, to the beach, or the river. Perhaps you're camping or visiting a new location. Or what if you're just on an old-fashioned road trip? Either way, we're excited to have you along with us here this evening. Now, speaking of the upcoming holiday, we're going to celebrate with an old fan favorite. That's right. Tonight's program will be another grab bag installment. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar, I do not know which calls will be played this evening. My trusty assistant, Delaney, edited these and sent them to me just last night. Now, to be clear, I will hear these for the very first time, along with you here this evening. Just like an old-fashioned grab bag. Who knows what you're going to get. So without further hesitation, let's begin tonight's festivities. With this entry, from Stuart, in parts unknown. now. Hey, it's Derek from the future. I just wanted to let everybody know there is a trigger warning for this call. Suicide is mentioned several times, but not detailed in the following entry.
3: Yeah, Derek, my name's Stuart. I work in the long-term care industry for elderly adults, and I've seen a lot of things over the years. This one story is pretty creepy. I was running a building in Colorado, and I was walking around with the maintenance director for the first time. We were on the second floor. We walked down to the last room on the left and outside of that room was a fake tree. I looked at the base of that tree and there was a butter knife stuck into the base of the tree. I asked the maintenance guy, I said, what's that doing there? He said, we've removed that thing three times and it always makes its way back there. So he and I entered the room. We walked in there, beautiful room but the air was heavy, it was cold, and just felt really uncomfortable. So we looked around the room, and I told them what I wanted done. And so I left, I closed the door behind me. I reached down, picked up the knife out of the plant, and started walking towards the elevator. Somebody shoved me in the back of my chest. I turned around, thinking it was the main instructor. There was nobody there. So I was a little creeped out. I go down to my office, And I hid the butter knife in a bookshelf behind a bunch of books. And I started asking people, you know, what was going on around there if they'd seen anything. And one of the residents had told me that they had seen this man walking up and down the second floor. They didn't know who he was. He just didn't look really human. He looked like a human, but not so much. Anyway, I had an ex-girlfriend who was a clairvoyant I'd seen it with my own eyes, and we had broken up, but we were still friends. So I called her up and I said, hey, we got something going on at this facility. I didn't tell her where it was. I didn't tell her it was multi-story. And I said, like, come by here and check it out. And she goes, the second floor, right? I said, yes. And she says, I see a man, and I see suicide. And I got the chills. I'm getting the chills right now telling this. Anyway, we talked for a while. I got off the phone. I started asking all the staff. Someone been there for over a decade. If they ever knew anything about a suicide in the building, nobody knew anything. Two weeks later, I hired this young kid to work in the kitchen, and he and I were talking in the dining room, and he starts telling me he's been coming to that building his entire life. And I said, "Really? Why?" And he said, "Well, my dad's best friend was here." And I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, but he killed himself." And again, got the chills immediately. He said he took a bunch of pills and committed suicide. And I said, you remember what room you was in? He said, yeah. He said, you go up to the second floor and go all the way to the left, to the last room on the left. The same room I was just talking about. So that was creepy. And then I decided I went to my office and I looked where I'd hit the butter knife. It was gone, just gone. And I hit it fairly well. I went back up to that plant. It wasn't there. Two weeks later, I was back up there and I looked and there was the knife. And I know it's the same knife because it was an older knife that had been gilded, but the gilding was coming off. It was back in the exact same spot where I had taken it from before. So,
2: hope you can use this and have a good one. Bye. Now that's how you start off a grab bag episode. Thank you, Stuart, for calling in. And you know, cases like this sort of break down into two separate categories. Either there's a prankster in the building, or there's something from an unseen realm that really wants to keep that butter knife there. Regardless of all that, it's creepy as hell, and we love it. So thanks again, Stuart, for sharing the entry. Now folks, as I always like to say, if you two have a true paranormal story you would like to share here on the show, Simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-N-I-G-H-T. Or just record your story on your cell phone and shoot me an email at podcast at gmail.com. Now this next entry takes us to Pennsylvania. Mark, welcome to the show.
4: Hey Derek, this is Mark from Pittsburgh, my story takes place in May of 2002. My wife and I had just recently bought our house and it was her and I, our eight year old son and her mother who was dying of lung cancer at the time. One morning it was on a Friday, I believe, nice sunny day. By 10 AM I was in my son's room folding laundry, sitting on his bed and staring out the door towards the hallway. But all of a sudden, I got a strange sensation, like I was frozen, I couldn't move. All I could do was lift my head and I looked and I saw a woman, pure white, walking towards me. I could not make out a face, but you could tell it was a woman. When she reached the doorway, she turned her head towards the right to look at me, looked at me for felt like maybe three, four seconds, turned her head back straight and kept walking away. Once she passed the doorway, I was able to stand up and walk out. I'm looking, I, I can't find her anywhere. I looked in my bedroom, the other bedroom, walked back to the bathroom, nothing. Up to the third floor, nothing. Down to the second floor, where my mother-in-law was in the dining room. and At the time, she was on pain medication and wasn't really coherent of what was going on. And I'd asked her if she saw anyone. She said, no, I didn't see anybody at all. Now the doors and windows were all locked. There was no way anyone could have gotten in the house. So when my wife came home, I told her the story and described the woman. She said, given the details I gave her, it looked like her grandmother who had been dead for some time. Fast forward about a week later, and my wife's best friend and her kids come over to visit with my mother-in-law and my wife and i was out and about and my wife's friend her young son said that he saw a man standing in the dining room next to my mother-in-law and he gave details and from what they told us it was my father-in-law within a few days maybe a week later she had finally passed away from lung cancer but uh, very strange that we had two occurrences of seeing spirits in the home and I have some other stories for you I'll share it another time but thank you for all you do your podcast is great I listen to it all the time and keep it spooky
2: thanks Mark for calling in now anyone that's spent time listening to this podcast knows that southwestern Pennsylvania is a unique place of course you have the chestnut ridge where all sorts of craft and creature have been witnessed over the years. You have the infamous UFO crash at Kecksburg, and a plethora of paranormal activity in the city of Pittsburgh. So it should come as no surprise to any of you that Mark, too, experienced something strange in that part of the Keystone State. And we can't thank you enough, Mark, for taking the time to call in. Now, folks, this next entry comes to us from the Hoosier state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. You're all thinking it. Anyway, please, welcome Caitlin to the program.
1: Hey, Derek. My name is Caitlin, and I am from Indianapolis, Indiana. But my story takes place in the mountains of Tennessee on my way to Chattanooga. My sister had called the day before and said that she was getting ready to have her baby, her very first baby. And so, you know, I rushed down the next day and this is when it starts to get a little weird. I was driving through, I was about an hour and 25 minutes away from Chattanooga. Now the timing is important because I was on the phone with my dad at that time. I had an hour and 25 minutes. He still had about three hours and 25 minutes to go. And so I looked at the clock on my radio and the clock says 329 while I'm talking to my dad. Now I talked to my dad for a couple minutes and you know we discussed how far along we are and where we were, because we were taking the exact same route. Now, when I hung up with him, I looked back at the clock and it said 429. And I was like, okay, that's a little weird. So I looked back down at my GPS and it said I had an hour and 26 minutes to go. And that was even more weird. I was like, okay, you know, trying to rationalize in my brain. Maybe I went through time zone change, you know, whatever. So I get to the hospital and my sister's like, Hey, you know, call dad, see where he's at. So I call him and he said, he's only 15 minutes behind me, which, you know, we had quite a time difference between, you know, I had an hour and 25 minutes and he had three hours and 25 minutes to go. And now he's only 15 minutes behind me. So yeah, don't know what happened. There's no time change. I went from Indianapolis, went through Louisville, and, you know, down towards Chattanooga. If you go a little bit further west than I was, you do need a time zone change. You know, I didn't go that way. So, yeah. Weird, weird, weird. Want to give a shout out to my dad, actually, Paul Asher. He's the one who introduced me to Monsters Among Us. I love it. He loves it. We appreciate what you do and hope you can use this on a future episode. I got lots of more stories but only got time for this one today. Thank you, thank you.
2: Thank you, Kayla. Now I'm going to let you all behind the curtain, so to speak, here for just a quick moment because I want you all to realize just how confused I sometimes get processing these calls. For instance, I could have swore that I've already played this call. I looked around and could find no proof of that. And then it dawned on me why the story sounded so familiar. Caitlin's dad, Paul, actually called in the same story, from his own angle. Now I don't have time to squeeze it into this episode, but I will push it to next week's Beyond, so you guys can check it out there. Outside of that... I'm not sure I have a single explanation for the strange time slip that Caitlin and her father seem to have experienced. But we'll keep our ears open, and we'll be sure to keep you all updated. Checking the clock here, I think I have time to slip one more in before we have to cut for commercial. So without further hesitation, please welcome Ryan from the state of Oklahoma.
5: Hey, Derek, this is Ryan, currently residing in Oklahoma. This is a story from when I was 10, I want to say, when I was in Indiana. I have four sisters now, but I had only uh, two, I guess, back then. It was like 2003, and they were both younger than me, but we had gone in the, uh, you know, we were playing around, you know, we were in our house, and uh, we had gone in the bathroom, I guess. We decided to. Well, I think I got them to do the Bloody Mary game. Either Vatter or my other sister had mentioned, it and I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And then they wanted to back out, and I said, "No, we're going to do it." And so I got them in the bathroom, and I closed the door, and I <laughs> I turned the light off, and uh, I I said Bloody Mary, you know, three times in the mirror, and they're scared, and you know, they're banging to get out, and you know, we we got out of there almost across the hall. There was the door for the basement i guess you know and there was a lot of stairs going down there and uh, that's actually where my two sisters shared a room at that time so they shared a room down there you know it was a nice basement refinished and all that kind of stuff and with carpet and stuff and so you know we went down there and we were playing and you know we were still messing around so we turned the light off and it was totally pitch black down there without the main light and we we're messing around and being you know Oh, bloody Mary's coming and stuff. And, you know, I turned my light off and I didn't grab either one of them. I know for sure. And something grabbed one of them. And then something grabbed me like on the shoulder. And they said it was on the shoulder too. Cause I just talked to, you know, wanted to they didn't tell me to talk about it, but they, they did. And, you know, we screamed and, you know, we all ran out upstairs and, you know, we told my dad and he's like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And, you know, and, uh, this was really crazy. Before that happened, um, the door slammed shut from the top of the basement. Could we left the door open because we were gonna do you know, the lights and mess around. And so that'd be the only source of light. And you know, around the corner, so there wasn't really any light. And the door slammed shut. And my dad didn't know we did the and Mary stuff, so he wouldn't be messing with us And So we ran, him. but door slammed shut after the hand grabbed our shoulder. And we ran upstairs, we were screaming, and we were crying and stuff, and we told our dad, when our dad, you know, went in the bathroom and he's like saying prayers and stuff and, you know, trying to get the evil spirits, whatever, out of our house. And, you know, nothing ever happened after that. But it was it was pretty crazy because there's no explanation for a door climb check. we never did. We always left it open when we went down there. And, you know, they lived down there. You know, the hands grabbing our shoulders, two people, me and my sister. And it wasn't anybody else down there. And they didn't do I didn't do to them. And my other sister didn't do to my other sister. You know, it's totally crazy. But if that's all, if they... Very sure. We love
2: you. Have a good night. You better watch what you wish for. Thanks, Ryan, for calling in. Now, I suppose if I were a ghost, spooking some kids playing Bloody Mary would be a splendid use of my eternal curse. Talk about impeccable timing. Now, of course, I wonder if trauma from playing the game could have caused some sort of psychotic episode, a mini mass hallucination, if you will. But those questions are over my pay grade. And whatever happened, Ryan, it sounds like it was a traumatizing experience. So we appreciate you sharing here with us.
6: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Now, let's reach back down into the grab bag where we pull out Mike Sentry from the crab cake capital of the country. Welcome to the program. This is Mike.
7: I'm from Maryland, and I have a... Story that actually took place probably back when I was in college. It was probably the summer, I'm trying to think, of 2001. I know you're an Ohio guy. I was heading back to Kent State a couple weeks before my senior year, and I was driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And I can't remember which mile marker it was, but I was driving, and there was a semi next to me. We are both going probably over the speed limit, and I could hear the horn going on his truck, so I kind of looked over and kind of didn't think much of it. He kept hitting the the horn, so I kind of looked down through my passenger side of my SUV I was driving and I looked up and he was kind of going crazy, pointing at his windshield. You know, at first I thought maybe, you know, I was getting a flat tire, left my gas tank open or something like that. So wasn't really sure what this guy was doing. And so I kind of looked up and he's waving his arm out the window. We were driving too fast. I couldn't hear. He had his window down too. And obviously he was higher up than me in his semi-rig. So as I looked up, I saw a, I wouldn't call it a cigar shape, but it was a, like a metallic oval. I'm not a, you know, an airline pilot or someone who could really judge how big it was, but it looked like it was maybe 100 feet higher than the mountain where the tunnel we were about to go through was. And I was looking at it, and it was just kind of suspended there. I thought maybe it was just like a blimp at first, but then I was like, no, that doesn't look like a blimp. And it was a cloudless day, by the way. There was no clouds in the sky at all. And we're looking at it, and I'm looking at it now, kind of transfixed, trying to watch the road at the same time. And as I was looking at it, I kind of saw it move, but it basically just disappeared. I mean, it disappeared and reappeared. Again, I can't gauge the distance, but over another ridge line, just like that, and it was just sitting there again. And I had never seen anything like it. You know, I'm like Fox Mulder, I want to believe, but, you know, I'm a pretty skeptical person, and so no idea what it was. So anyways, we went through the tunnel, and we got up to the toll area, you know, where you pay. This is kind of before Easy Pass became really popular. And the trucker, I'll just call him uh, Jack Burton from the Pork Top Express. get an uh, 80s movie reference for you. He just got out of the cab of his truck. I was like, did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I saw it. And, you know, he was glad he wasn't the only one. And I was glad I wasn't the only one. Anyhow, I've listened to the show and, you know, definitely over the years told a couple of people about it. But definitely something real. You know, I saw it. Not sure if it was some kind of weird military craft. Definitely wasn't a drone. A drone can't move that fast. But anyways, unexplained thing, so I figured I would leave the story with you. Great podcast. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you, next.
2: Thanks, Mike. In 2001, it certainly wasn't a drone. Not a civilian drone, at least. Thank you, Mike, for sharing the entry. And it's a great story, and I really enjoy the part where the trucker went through so much trouble to corroborate what he thought he was seeing. That little detail right there is enough to tell me that something unusual was taking place. And as I said in Mark's story earlier in the episode, that part of Pennsylvania is certainly a strange area. So thanks again, Mike, for sharing the entry. And thanks for keeping your eyes on the skies. Now, it appears our next stop is the state of Texas, because Valerie has a story waiting for us down there.
8: Hi, my name is Valerie, and I'm calling from Texas. So about a year ago, I really started to get into working out, and on Memorial Day, I did my first MRF, CrossFit thing. If you're familiar with it, it's pretty intense. So it's Memorial Day. It's obviously on a Monday. Do my MRF, came home, finished it, was really excited about it. And my husband is home, sitting on a couch. And I need to say that he does not believe in anything supernatural, cryptid, anything abnormal at all. Very straight-laced, pretty boring type guy. Anyway, I come home from so doing the I all excited about it. And he says, did you just get home? Uh, yeah. And he tells me, I just saw you. You walked in through the garage. The garage door slammed. So he's sitting in the living room, and you can see the garage door, which is where we come into the house from the living room. And he says that he hears the door to the garage open. It slams, and he talks to me. And I walk through the kitchen area into the bedroom, past the living room, and do not acknowledge him. The thing about it is my... Frenchie, the bulldog, was sitting on the couch with him. So they both watched me, and I'm going to say me in air quotes, walk from the garage through the house into the master bedroom. He got up and went into the bedroom to look for me, to talk to me, and I wasn't there. A couple of minutes later, I really do enter the house. So he asked me this, and I'm like, no, dude, that's weird, but it wasn't me. I promise it wasn't me. I asked him a million questions, like, what was I wearing? Was it the same outfit like that I went to the gym with? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't want to go into detail. He doesn't want to answer my questions because he just doesn't believe. Fast forward. A couple days later, he said it happened again. And it was the same exact scenario. He's sitting on the couch. I walk in from the garage, walk into the master bedroom slash bathroom area. Again, talks to me, nothing. And the French bulldog saw me as well. He says, I know I'm not hallucinating because her name is Lemony. Lemmy turns her head and watches me walk from the garage through the house into the master bedroom area. Okay, weird, but then my aunt is telling me, well, maybe you're astro projecting because you're so in tune with your workout, the MRF, that when you concentrate really hard on something, perhaps that's how you can do it. You can astro travel just by almost meditating, and my focus on the MRF that day could have led to it. And her and my dad have astroplane before, so I'm thinking, oh, yeah, but that's what it was. Like, my mind is really cool. Like, I have the power to do that, right? Okay, wrong. Now we're fast-forwarding. We're about eight months from the two sightings that my husband had of me coming home. And my husband works a late-night shift, so when he gets home, it's probably around midnight. And the Frenchie likes to bark at him, even though she knows it's hand. He walks through the door, and Frenchie barks at him. And when she barked at him, he yells at her, Stop! You know who I am. Don't bark at me. But it's that, like, loud whispering kind of, sort of, because he doesn't want to wake me up, even though she's already woke me up. Anyway, so I hear that, and then I fall back asleep. I don't remember husband coming into the bedroom. Nothing. Next morning, I ask him, Hey, you didn't work last night. Why did you get up in the middle of the night? Because Lemon barked at you. I heard her bark at you, which is how I knew you got up. And he told me he didn't. He said I had never got up and never got water, nothing. He slept all night. So doppelganger? Like, myself? Like, somebody's mimicking me? And then my husband later on down the road? I don't know, it's just very bizarre, and I will say. When it was me that he saw, I was giggling, thinking, oh yeah, like, that's funny, like, my mind is really, like, Secrets unlocked. Maybe I didn't know it. Maybe there's something that I tapped into. But then when I encountered his doppelganger, I was freaked out and a little angry. Like, what is in the house? Like, What are we bringing home from our everyday outings, going to work, back and forth? Unexplained, definitely. It has not happened since, and I am okay with that. Thanks for listening. I'll call back later with more.
2: There you go, Valerie. That was a spooky one. Now, despite the fact that my little brother owns a CrossFit gym back in Ohio, I actually didn't know what this was. So I did a little googling while I listened to Valerie's call. And this is what I found. The CrossFit Murph Challenge is a grueling test of physical and mental endurance that honors the sacrifice and service of fallen Navy SEAL Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy. The workout consists of a one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another one-mile run, all done while wearing a weighted vest. Well, I'm exhausted just reading that. And I know that Valerie mentioned that this connection with her body, this challenge that she's taken part in, could have awakened some part of her mind, some unused psychic power. But I'm going to propose something different. Given the fact that both Valerie and her husband... We're represented by these doppelgangers, if that's what we want to call them. Is it possible that this phenomena is somehow geographical, geological? In other words, tied to a particular area, and not necessarily a particular person. I'm going to do my best to dig further on this little theory that I just conjured up. But until then, thanks again, Valerie, for sharing that creepy little entry. Now, folks, if you don't mind, the Monsters Among Us shop is stocked and rocking right now. And just this week, we introduced two brand new designs by one of our favorite artists. Introducing four new Color Blast t-shirt styles designed by the amazing Brett Manning. Now, we just announced these on our social media just the other day, and we've already nearly sold out. So we've expanded and are now doing a pre-order We'll then place another order next week to get all those fulfilled. So, if you want to make sure you get the style and color that you want this next round, place your pre-order now. Now, Brett did an amazing job with these designs. One, the infamous Mirrored Man, and the other, a brand new Monsters Among Us design, featuring a Bigfoot, Mothman, and a few other creatures. Now, these shirts really are different from what we'd offered in the past. But Sarah wanted to try something new for the summer. And I gotta say, she knocked it right out of the park. So go ahead and click on our website. Then click on the shop tab and pick up your merch today. Now next up, we venture to the state of Idaho. Where Matthew is waiting with an entry.
9: Hello Derek and Amongsters. My name is Matthew. I live in Idaho and I was listening to season 12 episode 17 and the first caller had a call about some war sounds that he had heard while laying uh, laying in bed I think. And it reminded me of an occurrence that would happen fairly consistently at a house that I lived in. I moved into this house in 2008 I think and lived there for about eight years, mostly by myself, and there were a few weird things that happened there, but something that was pretty consistent and I still can't explain is primarily in the living room and in the bedroom, if you were very quiet, typically in the evening and at night, and I think it was mostly like late summer through winter, if you were very quiet and sat still, you could hear what sounded like a bar din, you know, just sort of that background noise that you get uh, to hang out in a bar. There were no distinct voices, no distinct words that could be made out, and just very, very faintly, you could just hear it. And I tried for years to try and debunk this, thinking, uh, you know, I was up on a bench with a really rowdy bar down the hill. And so when I'd hear it, sometimes I would go out and see if they were loud. And most of the time when I went to check, there was nothing, there was no audible sound outside my house. Front yard, backyard, wherever I had very quiet neighbors in general. And so I couldn't, I, I still to this day can't figure out what it was. And it wasn't just me that would hear it. When I pointed it out to people, again, if you just sat quietly, you could hear just this low level of uh, that bar din sound and they could hear it as well. So I don't know, very, uh, very strange. Anyway, thank you uh, again for all that you do. And uh, yeah, I'll be calling back with some more stories I'm sure
2: in the future take care thanks Matthew for the entry now coincidentally enough recently I covered this sort of story on an episode season 15 episode 6 to be exact where we discussed Franny's call from the state of New York where she talked about flying overseas and hearing a party going on all night only to learn that there was no party Now the fun part of that coverage was that I shared a few examples of this sort of phenomena caught on audio recording. So if this kind of thing excites you, I highly recommend checking out Season 15, Episode 6. And thanks again, Matthew, for sharing the entry. Now our next entry takes us back to the East Coast. Jay from Virginia. Welcome to the program. Hey, this is
10: Jay in Virginia. First of all, enjoy your podcast quite a bit. I can say I'm 49 and I've yet to really experience anything paranormal or anything out of the ordinary, even though I enjoy listening to podcasts such as yourself and watching shows. But the other night I was walking my dog in my neighborhood. We've got kind of a hilly neighborhood. We were up at the top of a hill and I uh, had like a broad view of the sky it was a clear night and you know, there was like this like large like wispy cloud in the sky so I'm walking the dog and I see this looks like a star like moving you know and I can see it moving and you know, I know you can watch stars in the sky it's hard to tell that they're moving but I could see it moving in relation to this cloud so it was slowly moving to this cloud so I'm watching it, and then I noticed there is another, and I'll call it star because that's what they looked like, star below it, but it's quite a bit different, not a large space in between them. There were airplanes in the sky as well, I could see, and in relation to, you know, an airplane has two white lights and usually like a blinking light. Well, this was like 10 times the distance between the airplane book in the relation where I was standing and there were no blinking lights at all. So I'm watching these two stars a large distance away slowly moving toward this cloud and they're in perfect you know symmetry moving toward this cloud and as they approach it the weird thing is <laughs> these things rotate. They, the one on top from my perspective rotates to the bottom the one on the bottom rotates to the top like hands of a clock and I mean these are large distance away so it really struck me odd and then as they move into this cloud and then like I said this is not like a thick cloud, this is a clear night this is like a big wispy like cloud, I could see stars through it as they rotate as they move into it and once they move into it they like burn out like a like an ember like they just dissipate like it gave the impression they just moved straight up until they disappeared i don't know what it was definitely was not a airplane but it was very bizarre definitely the rotation (laughs) before it moved in there was odd anyway i have no idea what that was but like I said, I love this stuff, and I've never seen anything that struck me as odd or paranormal, but this was definitely weird. Anyway,
2: love the ship. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Jay. You know, I have a brand new obsession. I recently downloaded this app called Flight Radar 24, and essentially it's a radar for your telephone. If you hear a plane or a helicopter overhead, You can quickly open the app and find out what the flight is, where it's going, where it came from. All sorts of information. And I tell you about that because I think Jay's experience could have benefited from an app like this. Sure, it could have been some sort of secret military training. Or possibly even entities from another time, place, or dimension. But it's also likely that these were two aircraft of human origin. And using an app like Flight Radar 24 you can immediately rule that out. As far as I can tell, it's a free app. So go download today, not a paid advertisement. <laughs> now, let's stay in the Old Dominion. This time with a story from Mary-Kate.
0: Hey Derek, uh, it's Mary-Kate from Virginia. I was just listening to Episode 2 of Season 3, and there's a guy who's talking about his experience with a guardian angel. I am a Catholic woman, and so I believe in angels and demons, and my faith allows me to believe in almost all things supernatural. I also am a scientist, and I'm a science teacher, so I do think critically, and I do take pride on trying to find you know, scientific reasons for some of my experiences. But I liked that you shared a story about guardian angels, and so I wanted to share my experience and my brother's as well. So this, I don't remember, but my mom has told us the story multiple times, so I'll, I'll just share it with you and you can see what you think. But I believe that my family has a guardian angel looking after us. So the first one that happened Earlier was my older brother. When he was about five, we were growing up in North Carolina, Greensboro, and my mom had us kids. I was a baby at the time, so we were inside, it just snowed, and it was really beautiful, and it was very rare that we got a lot of snow in North Carolina where we were. And so my brother wanted to go outside and check it out, but my mom had to stay inside with all the kids. And so she said, Okay, you can go out. Just stay in the backyard and where she could see him from the window. She was watching him from the window while she was taking care of us inside. I don't know what we were doing, but her story is that she was watching him from the window and he was looking at the playground and the swing set. And then he walked over by the slide where it was completely, it was a metal slide and it was completely iced over. And so he was just sitting there staring at it for a couple of minutes and My mom was just watching him closely, fascinated by her son and his fascination with the beauty of the snow and ice. But then, she said, he quickly ran away and jumped to the side. And moments later, a massive branch from a tree fell down and crashed right into the spot where he was standing. And my brother, having seen this, got really scared. And so I sprinted inside to tell my mom, 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 did you see what just happened? Did you see? And she goes, oh my gosh, I did see. And you know, things that moms say to their son when they're scared and telling them something crazy. And he goes, mom, the craziest thing just happened. Somebody told me to move and to run fast. And I I did, and as soon as I did, the tree fell. It was crazy. I'm, you know, not doing a great job saying exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of something told him to move from the spot that he was standing. And as soon as he had moved, the branch crashed down and he was, you know, unharmed. It spooked him, but he said that the voice was just clear as day, that he heard it, and something told him to move, and he did. And so we believe that that was a guardian angel. My second story takes place a few years later in Springfield, Virginia. So we had moved from North Carolina to my grandmother's house. And at this point, I must have been somewhere around two or three years old. And my parents had put me down for a nap. My brother and older sister were at school or daycare. I'm not entirely sure where they were, My mom doesn't talk about that part when she is telling us the story. But I know that I was down for a nap, and my parents were upstairs in the attic clearing out some things. We had moved in with my grandmother, and I don't know how soon after the move this was. But anyways, they were up in the attic going through some things. And it's one of those attics that is a pull-down ladder. And it's really loud and noisy when you pull it down. It's an older house. And it was a pretty high ceiling. I, I want to say it was nine-foot ceiling. So it was a pretty tall ladder. It was very steep to get up into the attic. And so that's where they were. And I was down for a nap. And my mom says that she and dad were up there in the attic, and they heard a noise. The noise that they heard, uh, they looked over, and right around the entrance, so if they're up in the attic, right around the entrance, they saw me on one of those like wheeled horses or wheeled cars, like one of those little things that kids can sit on and kind of scoot around. So I had woken up from a nap and I was always pretty good at getting out of the crib. And so I had woken up from a nap and crawled up into the attic, found this toy without them noticing, and I was making my way towards the entrance where like the ladder was and they saw it happening before they could you know, shout out for me to stop, but I went straight down the ladder, or I went straight through the opening. They, they said they didn't hear a single sound, so I don't know if I actually touched the ladder at all, but they said all they saw was me going down the opening, and they screamed, and they didn't hear a single sound after that. They screamed, no, and then they didn't hear anything. My mom described that where she looking down the opening, they were afraid that they were going to see me laying there dead because there was absolutely no sound whatsoever. But they looked down and there I am sitting on this little toy, completely unharmed and just smiling, just sitting there normal. And the reason this story is so interesting is because she said that, you know, you didn't hear a single sound as I went down from that opening to the floor like a normal kid, would at least, you know, if it did slide down the ladder, that would have made a noise. Or if I did slide down the ladder, I mean, it was so steep, I would have rolled over or the thing would have been toppled to the side. But that wasn't the case. And so we believe that something must have carried me down from that opening because they couldn't imagine, like, there's no way that I would have just made it so perfectly sitting upright without any noise whatsoever. So, that's my story. I do believe in guardian angels, and I do believe that our family is pretty blessed and that there's something looking out for us. Yeah, I hope you can use it. I really love the show, and thanks again.
2: I'll tell you what, Mary-Kate. I don't really believe in all the same stuff that you do. Yet a close relative of mine experienced something very similar to what you and your brother experienced in this story. And frankly, I believe him. And while I don't know the origin of this sort of activity, it does seem to happen from time to time, as it's often reported here on the show. And for the sake of Mary-Kate, her brother, my relative, and all the others affected by this sort of phenomena, I'm certainly glad that it does exist. So thank you for the amazing tale, Mary-Kate. Now folks, we head back to the Hoosier State for this next one. Barbara, go ahead with your entry.
11: Hi, my name is Barbara, and I live in Indiana. And I lived in Indianapolis uh, when we were growing up. and. When we were young, we, I'm 60 now, so back in the day, uh, nobody really knew anything about the Ouija boards or anything like that, so we got one for Christmas. And I was probably 12, and my brother would have been 14, and my sister 16. Anyways, we would hang out in the garage during the day and do seances because we thought we were being cool doing all this stuff. And believe it or not, we would get something. We would get, like, the candle blown out because we do it in the dark. Well, anyways... My brother and his friends had been riding their bikes, and they found a grave. And it was like a creek bed, and they found a grave site, and it had a tombstone on it. And it had the name, and I don't remember what the name was. But it was back in, it looked like Civil War, or uh, I don't know, but it was way back there. Anyway, of course, so uh, us three decided to do a Ouija board trying to get this person to tell us how he died. And I don't even remember the guy's name, but uh, we kept asking and asking and asking. And we were actually really depressed because we didn't get anything. And like I said, we would usually get like something touching us or blowing our hair or something like that. And so we were depressed about that and we gave up. And my father had put a rope tire swing out in our backyard and it was right facing the door of the garage. The tire had come off a long time ago, and when we came out, the rope to the swing was tied into a perfect noose. And the only question we had asked over and over and over is how did you die, how did you die, how did you die? So anyways, of course, we were freaked out. We ran and ran in the house, and my dad did not go back out there because we would have seen him from the window. You know, that was uh, pretty spooky, and I've got a lot of spooky stories. Thanks, bye.
2: Yet another thing I'm not sure I quote-unquote believe in. Yet there's tons of others that do. The Ouija board is a strange artifact. It's a beautiful artifact. And mysterious as well. And I suppose it's easy for me to say that they're quote-unquote not real. Because I'm not out there playing with them. I'm not out there opening doors that, as they say, we can't close. Great stuff, Barbara, and thank you for sharing the entry. And that, folks, brings us to tonight's closer. And I can't tell you a whole lot about this call, because frankly, I just don't have the info. So instead, I'll just welcome our anonymous caller, from parts unknown.
6: Hey Derek, I wanna remain anonymous for this call. I've been saving this one for a while now and I've been saving it because it's the only flesh and blood sighting I've ever had of a paranormal entity. You know, I've told the story to a very close family and I've told the story to some very close friends. Only when it comes up in conversation, you know, about the paranormal or cryptids or things like that. It's just too weird. This happened Thanksgiving night in 2005. I'm 37 now, I've got two kids, I've got a wife. But what happened to me that night, it hasn't changed, it hasn't gone away. This is something else. For lack of a better word, I've been haunted by what happened to me since 2005, in some way, shape, or form. I was in college still at the time. I was uh, living with my parents still, they had gone to bed. I'm an only child. There's nobody else in the house but me, my mom, and my dad. I was sitting on the couch. I was reading a book. It was getting closer into the evening hours. I want to see closer to midnight. We'd have Thanksgiving that day. Everyone had gone home. We lived in a condo at the time, and there was an intercom system. The way it worked was if someone had come to the front door of the condominium complex, we were on the bottom floor on the corner closest to the door. So if someone rang that buzzer, it was only a matter of me walking outside and looking around the corner of the wall, and there was the window that was the door of the complex. I didn't even have to buzz people in, I could just literally walk outside and let them in. The buzzer rings, and it's close to midnight. And of course, like anyone would think, my thought is, what the hell? Why is someone ringing the buzzer at my condo at 12 o'clock at night? The buzzer rang, and, you know, I'm not going to go out and check the door, so I go out to the patio, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to see who was ringing the buzzer because we're on the kind of corner there on a hill. And I'm thinking to myself, whoever is ringing this buzzer is either going to run up the hill or they're going to run down the hill. And if they run down the hill, then I'm going to be able to see who the heck this is because this is weird. Nobody's ringing the buzzer at midnight. So I go out to the patio, very quiet, immediately I hear something breathing, very loud, as if someone has been jogging or running, and they are just maxed out, breathing as labored and heavily as they can, and instantly that puts my hair on end. I'm thinking, this is not making sense, so I go to the wall, and I look over on the side, and there is some... There is something, I can't even say it's someone, there is something running across the street away from me, silhouetted by the streetlight, that is not right. The outline isn't correct. The arms are too short. It's about maybe 5'7", 5'8". The only way I can describe this to anyone... This looked like a person that had not finished becoming a person. And I think that this is the only time in my life where I understand what the definition of humanoid meant. It looked like a person, but it was not a person. The proportions were wrong. The legs were wrong. The arm was too short. The way this thing was moving, there was a lump on its back. I believe it was wearing clothes, and it was lurching and hunching and running It didn't look like the proportions of its legs were correct for it to be running the way it was, and it was running away from my house. And I stood there dumbfounded watching this thing. The only thought I could think was this thing pushed my damn doorbell, and now it is running away from my condo. And I stood there watching it until it disappeared around the corner of the house, and I have no idea what the hell this thing was. This was not a person. If it was, it was a 20-year-old kid that had access to movie-grade prosthetics in 2005. 17 years, I have been telling myself that this was a person in the suit, and for the love of God, I cannot accept that because I know it was not, but I don't know what it was. I don't understand it. This is a memory that I don't know where to put, and the only place I know where to put it is here on your show. There is some hunchback entity that is causing mischief and messing with our heads, and I wonder if anyone else out there has had the same thing happen to them. I appreciate the show. Send a blessing out to all listeners that I hope this doesn't happen to you. Okay, everyone. Take care.
2: Have a great night. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Scholar, for sharing the entry. Now you all know I enjoy explaining one mystery away with another. So let's say our collar is correct, and this is not some sort of prankster in a costume. Now I can't help but think of three separate legends that could help explain this frightful experience. Now as I stated earlier, we don't know exactly where this occurred, so these suggestions may not make a ton of sense given that information. But here we go. Firstly, Sasquatch or Bigfoot? The creature was upright, running toward the tree line, and seemed curious about the home and its inhabitants. All characteristics assigned to that creature. And I should point out that if a human can develop a hunchback, then surely a Sasquatch can as well. Now the second creature is a little more obscure, but many of the Frogman stories that come out of Ohio mostly often describe an upright creature with what's often detailed as a lopsided chest. So could this hunchback and the crooked-chested frogman be one and the same? And finally, what about these pale crawlers that we've heard so much about over the years? They're often described as bending over or hunched, and also said to be upright in a humanoid shape. What do you think, dear listener? A monster, a prankster, simply something else? Either way, big thanks to you, caller, for sharing that gnarly entry. It's a great way to end a grab bag. Because that's going to do it for the main show. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support has been provided by Sarah Carter-Hayes and Delaney Bowers. If you're interested in this programming, be sure to follow us on our social media accounts. And while you're at it, go over to YouTube and give us a like and follow as well. And we all know a rate and review goes a long way to help the show grow and succeed. Don't forget, if you want more of the program, you can catch us every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern at sundown966.com. Or download their app over in the App Store. And also find us Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern on the UnX Network. Visit unxnetwork.com for more details. And finally, tonight's score was provided by AG Music and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this evening. I sure had a good time with this grab bag. And I hope to catch you guys back here next week. For a brand new installment. Until then, have a great night. Keep it spooky. Have a happy fourth. tonight's bonus entry comes to us from a frequent offender, TJ from Alabama. Welcome back to the show.
12: Hi, Derek. This is TJ from Salem, Alabama again. I mean, this is actually a secondhand experience. This happened to my wife. She won't call and leave the message, so I'm doing it for her. She's 28 now, and this happened when she was 16, so about 12 years ago. Her and her best friend would drive, take their car, and drive through the field behind her parents' house. It's pretty much like a big cow pasture, but right in the middle of it, a creek comes out of the ground, and there's a pretty thick forest around where the creek comes out. They drove the car, parked on the opposite side of the creek where no one could see them from the road or anything, and smoking cigarettes, you know, doing... Teenagers do. And they said that they started hearing this noise, like a lug noise, kind of like, you know, water in a, a water cooler kind of thing kept getting louder and louder, and they couldn't figure out where the noise was coming from. Well, they uh, leaned the seats back in their car, so they couldn't see anything anymore, but nothing could see them in the car either. And the noise just kept getting louder and louder. Well, finally, they freaked out enough to decide to get out of the field and uh, set the seats up. And as soon as my wife turned the headlights on, she said, there was this little man about uh, two, maybe three feet tall a little man dressed in what she describes as basically natural nature clothing, like you know leaves and skins and stuff that he would have found. And the headlights caught him perfectly, apparently. And he started to run around the trees a little bit, but then dove into the trees where the, the creek was. She said that she doesn't think that the uh, sound was coming from the little man, but that whatever was making the sound might have scared him too. And this is the only story I've ever heard, you know, from someone personally that has had an experience with a little man like that. So I thought I'd call and share the story.
7: Love the podcast. Talk to you later. Thank you, TJ.
2: Well, we might as well add Alabama to the short list of states where folks have claimed to see these strange, pint-sized people. And perhaps one day we'll get to the bottom of this little mystery. But until then, thank you again, TJ, for sharing the entry now folks if you don't mind let's go beyond and like the main show tonight's beyond episode is going to be just a little bit different for starters everyone has access to this particular episode even non-patreon supporters secondly the programming style will be similar to the main show it'll be a grab bag of sorts but what's different here is that all the calls that will be played tonight in the beyond will be submitted by the youngsters that listen to this program. Now, believe it or not, I receive quite a few calls from children and teens that have stories as well. And here tonight, we're going to give them their voice. But before we get started, if you'd like to support us over Patreon, just visit the website at patreon.com, then search out your favorite podcast monsters among us podcast join one of our levels and boom instant access and instant support and for that we thank you but for now let's get things rolling with corbin over in texas
13: hey derek my name is corbin i'm 13 years old and i'm a big fan of your show this happened here in my hometown in ana texas I don't remember or what year is it I think it was like a few years ago. I don't remember what month it is either, but I got up for a drink from the sink in the kitchen. And then noticed something strange. I saw like a, a humanoid figure standing outside the window. It didn't look like it had any eyes. That's all pale, and my cats would have freaked out if oh, they saw it. And one of my cats was directly in front of it from the window. It was like up to the window. That's crazy. I was thinking, like, okay, maybe it was just a dream. And I tried blinking a few times, because that's what gets my brain awake fully. And it still was there. So I was like, oh my god, is this actually happening? I don't know what the heck it was. I just didn't think much of it until the episode of the Fresno Nightcrawlers. But uh, yeah, I loved your show. I hope you put this recording on your show. Bye.
2: Thanks, Corbin. Another one of these pale crawlers, maybe. Sounds super creepy, whatever it was. And thank you again, Corbin, for calling in. Now, folks, this next entry comes to us from Azil, here in California.
14: Hello, Derek case. My name is Aziel, and I'm 14 years old. I'm from Sanger, California, and this house was in Parlier, California. Me and my father were sitting in the living room, like around five something p.m. We were just sitting on the couch ordering pizza, and all of a sudden we experienced this paranormal activity of this package that belongs to my aunt, but it moved like one foot down the table, and we did not know who moved it. We did not move it at all. We were sitting on the couch, but I think in the corner of my eyes. I actually saw like one shadow figure that was wearing black clothes and a really white face and it was five foot three. I think the ghost was trying to say don't order pizza and don't waste your money on there. But the pizza didn't taste well anyway. The crust was just weird. But my grandma Carmen says that she's gonna call the priest so this won't happen again. Please tell me if my house is haunted or not. We love your podcast. Keep making your podcast even more spookier. Hope to see you one day in person. And have a great day. Bye.
2: Thanks, Azil. Well, you know, I'm always striving to be spookier. And I'm working on putting together a few public events. But more on that in a future episode. And honestly, I don't know if your house is haunted. But boxes don't typically move on their own. But maybe we should keep in mind that a box moving on it's own once might not be enough to constitute a haunting. It's probably in that gray area. Anyway, I hope that helps Aziel. And thanks again for the phone call. Now next up is Krista and Amelia from Southern Illinois.
15: Hi, my name is Krista and I'm from Southern Illinois.
16: Hi, my name's Amelia, and I'm from Southern
15: Illinois. And when she was seven years old, she witnessed a UFO, and here's her details.
16: It was in Southern Illinois, and I seen, like, a UFO, like, at the ground, still coming down, and it was, like, white lights flashing, and I seen a little bit of an alien in there like a little bit, I just seen the outline kind of.
15: And we were driving home after a 4th of July weekend from my in-laws house and we didn't see anything, but my daughter was very talkative on the way home and all of a sudden she just stopped talking. And I just thought she had gotten tired from all the festivities. So we just went about our drive home and When we got home, she was freaking out. I asked her what was wrong and she told me the story and she even drew a picture and she was very serious about the whole encounter. And then on 10.20 of 21, we seen a UFO over her school at 7.51 a.m. because I wrote everything down. I had thought it was just a star in the sky or a moon,
16: I thought. But then we seen like it flying around and disappeared like as we saw, like it was flashed before our eyes.
15: And that's when I pointed it out to my daughter and I said, it's too early for stars. What is that up there? I said, that can't be a plane, it's sitting still. And it shot to the left and it blinked out and we were looking around for it and it blinked back on and did the same thing very fast and then it just disappeared so there was nothing else that we thought it could possibly be thank you for your time and i hope to hear our voice on the show
2: thank you ladies the detail about amelia seeing some figure piloting the craft might seem unusual at first but for anyone that's paying attention we've heard that detail in many other encounters over the years Oddly described in a similar way, more of an outline or silhouette than anything else. Well, keep your eyes open, Amelia. Southern Illinois is a well-known UFO hotspot, and something tells me that whatever they are, they'll probably be back. Now, if you would, please welcome Jack from New Jersey to the program.
16: Hey Derek, it's Jack. I'm from New Jersey and I'm nine years old. This was a week ago. I was at summer camp, so I was just chilling with my friends and then we hear a random scream. It was in a certain room at summer camp and we call it the kid cave. So we look at that room, we don't see anything, so we don't think much of it. So then we go back to like hanging out, and then my friend Gio was there with us, and he started talking about some scary gameplays. And then we hear another random scream. This time it's because somebody's backpack and everything else that was in their cubby and stuff was all gone. And I asked people what happened. Nobody knew. I asked the coaches that were there. They didn't count anything. So we asked our friend Zach what happened, and he said he was in the kid cave, but he wasn't the one who screamed. So somebody was in there with him that screamed while he was in the kid cave, but nobody knows who it was, and it was sketch. So I left, and I came back the next day, and we talked about it. Nothing happened, which was weird, Nothing happened, so we hanged out, and we just had fun, but nothing happened, and I was wondering if anybody else had a story like this, and keep up the good work with the podcast, and bye.
2: When you're a kid, all good scary stories start at summer camp. Thank you for the entry, Jack, but you gotta be careful in these situations. Places like summer camps, sleepovers, bonfires. Well, they're perfect for an old fashioned prank. A trick. So keep your guard up, Jack. And thanks again for calling in. Now, here's our next entry from Bo in New Hampshire.
17: My name is Bo. I live in New Hampshire. And when I looked in the Raymond House when I was three or four years old, in the middle of the night, some ghostly thing picked me up and threw me on the side of my bed. So it's very scary. I never seen it ever again. That was the first time I seen something spooky. Goodbye, Derek.
2: Oh man, that sounds absolutely terrifying, Bo, and I can't imagine you got much sleep after that. But I do wonder if the place where the encounter occurred already had stories, like Bo's, in its folklore. And as scary as Beau made that experience seem, I certainly hope it hasn't happened to anyone else. So thanks again, Bo for sharing your story. Now, next up on my list is an entry from Oregon. Jacob, welcome to the show.
18: Hi, I'm
17: Jacob from Oregon. I'm calling in about a ghost that happened on April Fool's Day. I was having a sleepover with my friend, and we have, like, a gate. I go to the downstairs, and we kept hearing that open and, like, screech and then close, and then we hear scratching. This went on for, like, 20 minutes. The next day, I asked if it was my sister, and she said, nope. If I wanted to scare you guys, I just jump scare you. And I kept asking, kept asking, and she kept saying no. I have another story of when I was laying in bed, and I heard my name being whispered. And this went on for like five minutes before I just went to sleep somewhere else. I also used to see shadow figures when running past rooms when I was a little kid. And that's my story. Bye.
2: Thank you, Jacob. Now, just like I told Jack earlier, you have to keep your guard up at these sleepovers because no good prankster would ever own up to their prank. So it would come as no surprise that no one there would confess. Now, that said... The story is certainly creepy. And we thank you, Jacob, for sharing that entry. Now, folks, next up, we venture to the state of Arizona, where Austin is waiting with an entry.
19: Hi, Derek. My name's Austin. I live in Arizona. And it all started probably two weeks ago while I was in my living room watching TV. Yeah, that's what I do. And my brother's outside. He's 15. So he's outside. He comes in freaked out. He says he swear he saw a UFO. I look out and I can see, like, remains of what he saw. So I, I believed him. And my parents were like, no. And keep in mind, he's 15. And he's freaked out. I thought he was scared of nothing. So a few days passed. He's calming down. I don't think anything of it. Two weeks later, well... I, I swear, I swear I saw a UFO. It was around probably 626, and keep in mind it's light out, so I don't know why, but I look out, I'm swinging and I look out at the horizon, and I see like a, a circle, not a circle exactly, but I see a shape, an outline, and I see like two or three of them, and they're moving in a formation that looks like they were just circling around, and then I blink and I squint at it, and then it's gone. And I come home perfectly freaked out. And so I told my parents, yeah, I got to submit. So thank you for everything you do, Derek. I love the show. And have a good rest of your day. Bye.
2: Thank you, Austin. Now, as it was with Amelia in southern Illinois, Arizona, too, is a hotbed for this sort of activity. So it should come as no surprise that Strange activity was reported there. But next time, though, Austin, get a picture or some video or something. But big thanks for sharing the story with us. Now, how about we share another UFO experience? Carrick from Florida. Welcome to the show.
17: Hi, Derek. My name's Carrick, and I'm Ted, and I'm from Lakeland, Florida. I'm calling in about what I believe is a UFO, or multiple, that I've seen before. It was around eight o'clock, I was in my bedroom, I was laying down, and I look out the window, and from a distance, I see a black triangle fly across my window. Then I see a swarm of some sort fly across all different sizes, and then the first one goes across again, this time slow, then the rest of them go across, at random paces, all different, and they all go across at the same time, the first one leading them, going up and down, zigzag, but that's my entry.
2: Thanks, Carrick. Now, as coincidence would have it, Florida, too, is a UFO-heavy location, and I'm beginning to think that maybe everywhere is. One thing you do have to consider in the state of Florida, though, Carrick, is all the outdoor activities that are going on there year-round. Especially activities in the air, like paragliding and skydiving, and that thing where a boat pulls you up in a giant kite. Well, that said, we all know about the infamous Black Triangles, and that sounds like exactly what Carrick said he saw. So thanks again, bud, for sharing your story. And keep your eyes open down there. I might be back. Now, before I move on to these last few stories, I have a couple of favors to ask in exchange for this free bonus content. One is that you leave a rate and review wherever possible. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I think IMDb even allows reviews now. Number two, tell friends, family, and fellow weirdos about the show. That sort of grassroots growth has been our bread and butter for going on a decade now. So let's please keep that rolling. And lastly, if you don't already, please consider joining our Patreon. And now with a free trial, you can even take a look at no cost to you, just to see if it's worth it. But allow me to save you some time and tell you that it is. There's almost 90 hours of content up right now. It's days worth of listening. Anyhow, just go to Patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us Podcast. Now, back to the pint-sized terror, this time with Max up in the mitten.
17: Hi Derek, I'm Max, a I'm nine-year-old who wants to know everything that's happening at all time that has lived in Michigan their entire life. So, I have two stories I want to tell you. The first story happened recently. So I was in my mom's room with my dog, Rudy. All of a sudden, I hear loud, deep breaths in my ear and footsteps coming to the room. That was the first story. It's quite short, but crazy. The next one is crazy, so get ready. I was five years old, and a pale white figure walked through my door, just standing in my room. I do not have sleep paralysis because I could move the covers up to my head and move in general. And I was so frightened, I could not say anything. And I was so scared that no one would believe me. And it had a black cloak on and a long forehead. And then a boy in a ninja costume would come in sometimes a girl in an ninja costume would also come in sometime. And one time, the boy went in my room and picked me up and took me into my mom's room. And at that point, I did not say anything. The last night they ever came, they all went in my room and they were in my room for five minutes. And then they just left. And I'm just like, what the hell just happened? That's All my stories. I hope you can use them. I love your podcast. I hope I can find some new stories to tell you. Bye.
2: Whoa, Max. Whoa. That is a lot of activity. And the ninja costume creepers especially weirded me out. Spooky stuff, Max. Thanks for calling it in. Now, if you will, onward to the next call. Same place, new caller. Parker, welcome to the show.
17: Hi Derek, this is Parker from Michigan. I am 10 years old and I don't really know what it was, how it happened, where it came from. But this story happened in Detroit and I was in a passenger seat of one of my mom's friends going to their house to have a sleepover and we were driving through Detroit and I found like a weird looking double decker plane and it was completely black. It was just hovering. Completely hovering over a boat. I don't know how it was but I really like your podcast and thank you for listening to my call. Bye!
2: Thank you, Parker. Now, I can't explain the black biplane, but I can say with confidence that the hovering airplane was caused by an optical illusion, something about the movement of the car juxtaposed with the movement of the plane. It locks them at an equal distance, causing the plane to appear to be hovering or floating in place. I'll just Google, hovering illusion, and you can see several examples. It's still odd though, Parker. And I completely understand why it would set off alarm bells. So thank you for making the call. Now, next up, we head out west. Where Alex in Utah has a story waiting.
18: Hi, my name is Alex, and I am from Utah. And I have been listening to your show for a while, and I want to share you my creepy story. So. Basically, I think this was like 6 months ago, and in our house we have this motion light in our bathroom, and sometimes it would go on and off sometimes and we and my family would joke around that we have a ghost in our house. But that's not the creepy part. The creepy part is that one night my phone was dead and was inside the bathroom. And I was getting ready to go to sleep. So I fell asleep. And my sister was playing on my dad's phone and she got a call and she was confused. She walked over to my stepmom and told her that I was calling her, even though my phone was in the bathroom dead. So she even went to look to confirm her theory and her theory was correct. My phone was dead in the bathroom. And she remembered that I'm asleep downstairs. So like, it was weird and now in the morning they woke me up and told me the story and I didn't even believe it until they showed me the missed call from me at 2 a.m. in the morning. I was confused and now we don't even joke around that we have a ghost anymore. Now we we think we actually do have a ghost. Please share this story and thank you. Bye.
2: Thanks Alex for calling. It's spooky stuff. I can only imagine what your parents thought as the phone rang at 2am and they saw your name pop up. I will say however, just to play devil's advocate, that these cell phone scammers have gotten pretty sophisticated lately. So perhaps they managed to clone or replicate Alex's number. That's the only explanation that I have. Either way, thank you again, Alex, for taking the time to share. Now, for tonight's final entry, we venture to Indiana, where Violet awaits with her story.
20: My name is Violet. I live in Indiana, and I'm 11. And this happened a couple years ago, I'm guessing when I was eight or nine. One night, I went to sleep, and my old cat was sleeping on my lap. I had a weird dream that I can't remember, but it was more like a nightmare. At one point, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was probably around 12, but I woke up, and my eyes were still closed, but I felt Someone sitting on my bed. So I was really freaked out. But it felt like a grown person, an adult, sitting on my bed. And I could hear my cat purring. I stayed like that for a while. I was too scared to open my eyes. But I felt them just sitting there. I finally opened my eyes and there was this fully grown man sitting on my legs petting my cat, staring off into the distance. It was not my dad. It was too tall to be my dad. It couldn't have been my brother. It couldn't have been my mom. I don't remember the exact height. I was really young and I didn't really have a, like, perception of height, but I think maybe around six feet, when he was just sitting there, petting my cat. and My cat was purring. Eventually, he looked over and Saw my eyes open and ran off of my bed out of the room. And my cat was totally freaked out, like, because he just got up and ran out. So my cat just, like, got up and ran after him, but he disappeared in the hallway. So after that, I was terrified. So I screamed as loud as I could. And my parents came out of their room. And I knew it couldn't have been my dad in any way, because First of all, he was huge. And second of all, I saw the man disappear and not go into my parents' room. So my parents came in and, you know, they asked if I was okay. I was pretty scared to go to sleep. So it was pretty terrifying. And I still don't know who or what that was. That's my story. I love your podcast. And my dad introduced it to me and my brother. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Violet. You know, if I were a ghost, after I scared a bunch of kids playing Bloody Mary, I would 100% pet every cat that I could. So you really can't fault a ghost for that. Unfortunately for you, Violet, you had to see it all go down. But thank you for sharing that story with us. And a big thanks to all of tonight's young experiencers. Now believe it or not, I have quite a few calls like these. So if you've already submitted one and... You didn't hear it this evening. Be patient. I'll do this again soon. Until then, thank you all for tuning in. Remember the favors that I asked for. And for Pete's sake, keep it spooky. And have a good night.